Well, good evening, folks. Nice to be with you again and to bring something of God's Word. I, what I hope to bring these three Sunday nights is Daniel 9, 10, and 11, no, 10, 11, and 12 um, from the book of Daniel, and, and that because we're preaching through the book of Daniel in the church that I'm a part of in Edinburgh, and uh, I've been tasked with preaching Daniel 10 last week and Daniel 11 this week, and so you'll get it um, a week later. But as we finished the service last Sunday, we finished it with Be Thou My Vision, and so it just ties in nicely. Obviously, I'd picked that to tie in with this message, and it's nice to know that God has gone ahead of us and, 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 and selected it even to sing tonight. Um, so, the book of Daniel then, and, and uh, these last three chapters looking at Daniel 10 tonight. If you have a Bible, it will be helpful to have it open. <clears throat> it's, in the, it's in the later years of Daniel's ministry. He's an older man, maybe about 85 years of age, and this vision that he has in chapter 10 is just a couple of years after the first of God's people have, have headed back to Jerusalem, and he is still in exile. It would seem that he'll finish his days in exile, but he has this, 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 this vision in chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the twenty-fourth day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, and his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my knees and on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you, and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he, had, he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that, you're, that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me twenty-one days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you that what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, because of the vision, my Lord, and I am helpless. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, O man, highly esteemed, he said. Peace, 
be strong now. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. And in the first year of Darius, in the first year of Darius, the Mede, I took my stand to support and protect him. Amen. And may God bless to us this reading of His Word. It's a passage that we don't often look at, um, and I'll do my best to make, it, to make it simple for myself, and hopefully that will be helpful for you too. Um, as, we've, as we've watched the, 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 the result of the recent referendum in, in, in Ireland, the result has been heralded by some as a great victory. Watch some of the scenes of people celebrating the, the result of the referendum they seem to be celebrating. By others, it was mourned as a terrible loss. Not to comment on anything really on, 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 on the subject that was being thought about, but, but, but what, what, what comes out of that is it just seems like a conflict, and it is. And it's just one scene, and an event like that is just one event, one episode in a much greater conflict that happens throughout the ages, has raged all throughout the ages between light and darkness, between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of men, between what the Bible often describes as the city of Jerusalem and the city of Babylon, between the city of God and the domain of darkness, between our God and the old enemy. And Daniel 10 takes us into this, takes us into to spiritual warfare, the kind of thing that we would encounter in Ephesians 6. And so, how, how I want to try and approach this to just so as we can see, and, and there is blessing, I believe, in this, and there's a challenge in this, if we can get into it. But I want to go through it in two passes. I want to just kind of look at, look at it schematically, what is happening, so as we can get a, just a general picture of what's happening in Daniel 10, and then I'll plug in some of the specific details, and maybe it'll come alive as we begin to, to, to look at it the second time. In, in, in terms of a schematic, it, it, it's described as it concerned a great war, a conflict kind of thing that has happened throughout the ages. Um, and the prophet is made aware of the conflict. That time I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. He has been aware, he has been aware his whole life of a conflict between the evil that, uh, that was so obvious in Babylon and trying to live for his God right from Daniel chapter 1. You would be aware of the conflict that Daniel lived with. But somehow in this event, he's made aware of a particular struggle, a specific uh, tight spot, if you like, that is taking a place, a time of urgency, a critical moment. And the prophet is drawn into this conflict, and he begins to pray. He begins to pray earnestly. And as he prays, he experiences a heaviness in his own soul. So he's aware that there's some issue. He begins to pray, and it, it, it weighs heavy on him. It begins to affect him physically. I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food. No meat or wine touched my lips. And then into this period of heaviness, into this period of prolonged prayer, there's a, he, he, he has a dramatic experience. 
It's one of those moments that's etched in his memory because he can remember the day, he can remember where he was, and he can remember exactly what he saw. 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the Great River, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphas around his waist. His body was like topaz, his body was shining, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. And so Daniel's aware of a, of a tension, a spiritual uh, battle that's going on. He's drawn into it in prayer. He experiences a heaviness in his own soul. And as he prays, he gets this vision of Jesus. How do we know it's Jesus? Well, he's dressed in linen from head to foot. And where we discover that in the Scriptures, the, on, the priest on the Day of Atonement was to be dressed in linen from head to foot. It makes us think of the priest. He's got this gold belt around his waist, this man that Daniel sees. And wherever gold is uh, is seen or identified in Scripture. It's usually speaking of a king. He's got this dazzling brightness, like a glory shining out of him, this, 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 this vision of this heavenly man that Daniel sees, his body, his legs, his arms, his eyes, everything is just shining and, and like lightning, an overwhelming glory shining out of him. And when we compare that, he's got this powerful magnificent voice as well. But when we compare that with Revelation chapter 1 and the vision that's given of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, there's a close correlation between Daniel 10, the, the, the vision of the heavenly man that's given in Daniel 10 with the vision of the man that's given in Revelation chapter 1. And in Revelation chapter 1, the man is identified as Jesus. Daniel's strength goes as he looks at the Lord. But by a hand that comes down, he's encouraged and strengthened. Says, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. So Daniel entered into prayer because he was aware that something was going on. It was, a, it was a burden that weighed heavy on him. As he prays, he gets this vision of Jesus, and Jesus says, your words were heard, and I'm on the way. But there's a tension because it says that he was hindered in his coming. Verse 13, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. He was hindered in his coming by the prince of Persia. And then Michael comes, verse 14. No, the second half of verse 13. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there by the king of Persia. So, you see what's happening. Um, Daniel is aware, and we'll, 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 we'll come in a minute to what he's specifically aware of, it would seem, but he's praying for something. As, he, as he's carrying this burden, he has a vision of Jesus, and Jesus comes to him and says, Daniel, your prayers have been heard, and I am on the way, but I have been resisted for 21 days. For a period of time, I have been hindered, hindered from coming. Daniel prays on, and Michael comes, and then the fulfillment of what is to of the future of God's will is uh, released and and uh, can come to pass. What is going on here? Let's 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 try and plug in some of the specifics. Well, the the date is helpful for us. It says in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. 
In the first year of Cyrus, so two years ago, two years prior to this vision, the first group of exiles had headed back south from exile in Babylon, back to Jerusalem to start the rebuilding work. And can you just imagine how it would have been for them when they were first freed up by the Medes and the Persians coming to power, and God's people are making the pilgrimage back from Babylon to Jerusalem to rebuild the city of God, to rebuild the temple, and to reestablish God's presence in that sense. Going off singing the Psalms, delighted, excited to be returning at the beginning with a very real momentum, zeal, going back south to our home city to rebuild it and to see the thing freshened up and a fresh start. But after something of a, of a, of a, of a great start, we read about in the early chapters of Ezra, Ezra chapter 4 tells us that a couple of years in, they started to experience severe opposition. came in the form of discouragement among the ranks, there were, there were um, people that didn't want them to progress in the work, and they got in among the ranks and started to discourage the people. And then getting them slowed down and almost stopped, they uh, turned the local, fit, the local officials against the project. And then they brought in some government legislation to stop the project altogether in Jerusalem. And so that is, that is the issue that Daniel is being made aware of at a spiritual level. He's, he's uh, hundreds of miles north, but he's being brought into this. Daniel is by the river Tigris in exile, far away from Jerusalem, far away from the front line, if you like, of God's work down south in Jerusalem. But he is someone who is accustomed with praying. He's a praying man. And in order to solve this difficulty, where the young fellows are trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and to see the temple reestablished, God gives Daniel a burden. Daniel, a few hundred miles north, begins to mourn. He is aware that all is not well, and he, he uh, enters into this. He adopts an, an aesthetic lifestyle for these three weeks, and he, and he gives himself to prayer. As he prays, he receives a fresh vision of Jesus. This man dressed in the priestly garb with the, with, the, with the gold belt around his waist shining. And Jesus speaks and encourages him that his prayer has been heard and that a solution is on the way. Your words were heard and I have come. But there is resistance. The evil one, here called the prince of Persia, probably as a reference to how closely the devil associates with worldly schemes and uses worldly schemes for his own purposes. It's very instructive, very instructive to, to watch the time that the devil strikes. He didn't, he didn't try to get in and to discourage the people when they, were, when, they were, when they started to rebuild the walls. He waits two years. You can almost watch the, the uh, you can almost imagine the devil standing on the sidelines as this first consignment of um, God's people head south to rebuild the walls, and the devil's saying, give them a couple of years till they slow off. Then we'll get in among them and we'll discourage them. 
And then when we get them discouraged, we'll get some legislation brought in against them and we'll slow them down completely. We'll put the project to a stop. Yet as Daniel prays, that's, the, that's, the, that's the, probably the key lesson of Daniel 10, as Daniel prays, the breakthrough comes. 21 days of fierce resistance. 21 days of, of prayer in the sense of spiritual warfare. Then Michael comes to give the breakthrough. And the vision of what is yet to come can be given in the book of truth. God's plan will yet proceed. The walls of Jerusalem will yet be built as the breakthrough comes. As we try to plug that into our own day, what does it look like? Well, there's a war on today. God is building His kingdom, and Satan is building His. It's not the bricks and mortar of the literal walls of Jerusalem that's being built, but it's the spiritual Jerusalem, and it's the city of God that's being built. It's the church of Jesus Christ that's being built, and it's made up of individual lives. And every individual life was once a part of the domain of darkness. And every individual life needs to be transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. And this is the war. And there are many critical battles along the way. And what is the solution? Well, it's prayer. Nobody, Satan will not let one life go without putting up a resistance, without putting up a fight. But as we pray, as we enter into the battle, we get this vision of Jesus, and Jesus comes to us and says, your words were heard, and I have come. As we pray, we're, we, are, we are encouraged to keep on praying by a vision of Jesus strengthened and encouraged by a fresh vision of Jesus. 21 days of wrestling just gives us a period long enough that we could stay disciplined to see it through, and yet short enough that we, we wouldn't get totally distracted, but we don't make too much of the 21 days. There's a period of resistance. Then the breakthrough. You, you, you bring that closer, bring that even into your own context here, every Baptist church. Your desire is to see this church strengthened, I trust, to see this town reached for Christ. You'll have seen encouragements in the past, but can you just imagine Satan saying, even in these days, get in among them and discourage them get them weighed down under a weight of bureaucracy and paperwork. Slow them down and try and stop the advance of this scheme. No church, no church will be built without a fight. Satan won't give up his people easily. What is the solution? The people of God are given a burden in prayer. And then, as we pray, and we would never pray in our own strength, but as we pray, we're encouraged as we as we're blessed with fresh communion with the Lord Jesus Christ as we pray, 
feeling weak, yes, there's a lot of weakness comes out in Daniel chapter 10, feeling weak yet, yet praying, wrestling in prayer till the breakthrough comes. Think about it more broadly. Think of our own nation. Think of the nation of Scotland. You go into the cities in Scotland and the church seems reasonably healthy in places. I spend a, lot of, spend a bit of my time in r more rural areas in Scotland. Many people are discouraged in Scotland. Satan has got in amongst the church in Scotland. Many people are discouraged. Satan has used the same old tactic that he used all these years ago, and he has brought in a whole, a whole wave of legislation and bureaucracy in its many forms, not least church paperwork, if you like, ecclesiastical bureaucracy, and has put us on the back foot and has slowed down the advance of church and put us into negative growth in our land. We must pray. We must pray for our nation. I think there's a, there's a, we have a much richer heritage of praying people than exists today. I was reading somebody recently that said that part of our rich Christian heritage in Scotland was because there were small groups of people praying, as in t and that was integral to the spiritual life of the nation from the Reformation right up until the 20th century, later 20th century. The prince of our age, of course, is not the prince of Persia who's doing this resisting, but it's the me-first agenda of our own day. The resistance movement is strong. Fewer Satan, fewer Satan in Scotland today looking for minions, looking for people to listen to you and do your bidding. You could find it in 95, 97% of the population. Satan has a huge empire. He has many uh, helpers. But Christ, Christ will come in answer to the prayers of His people. We don't know why it has to be like that. Christ has the power to come anyway. But the message of Scripture is that Christ comes as the people pray. And you get the picture in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel is given a burden, and he's in touch with God, and he, 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 he receives this burden. He prays. Jesus says, your words are heard. Pray on. 21 days of fierce resistance, and then the release comes, the blessing comes. Think about it in world mission. Wherever, wherever we would go in world mission, there will be a resistance movement. I was reading recently in the uh, biography of, autobiography of Darlene Dibler, who went to, the, to New Guinea about half a century ago, and she went into uncharted territory, places where the gospel, into an area where the gospel had never been before. There was an old missionary there, a man called Dr. Jaffrey. He said to her as she was moving out into Satan's territory, he said, remember, lassie, for centuries the enemy has held these people in darkness. You will now experience satanic opposition such as you have never known. Until Russell's first trip, that was her husband. Has, no one has ever invaded his territory, this, the, the Satan's territory, that he was saying. 
to challenge him, but don't be afraid, for he is a defeated foe, undone by Calvary. Never forget that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We must pray. The message of Daniel 10 is spiritual warfare. It's a parallel, dramatic example of what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 6. One or two other notes of encouragement just as we think of this passage. What a privilege to be brought into the work of God like this. What a privilege for Daniel to be, to be employed, as it were, in prayer. What a privilege for you if God is giving you a burden in these days, embrace it. If you have no burden in these days, ask yourself what you're doing. If you're absolutely careless that the church is in negative growth, then ask yourself the question, why on earth does this not bother me? Let's never normalize it, but enter into it. Take it to the Lord in prayer. As you pray, you will get a fresh vision of Jesus. Reading your Bible and praying, you'll get a fresh vision of Jesus, and as you enter into that more and more, you will get more of a vision of Jesus, and that will drive you. It's like a cyclical thing. It will drive you to more prayer. Maybe you say you feel weak in prayer. So do I. Daniel, too, wasn't singing the songs of victory. He was mourning. In the height of his prayer, he had no strength left. He was helpless. His face was to the ground. He was truly humbled as he prayed. He felt at his absolute lowest as he prayed. Michael Green, an evangelist in the Church of England that has been used a lot over our generation and before, says in an older book exposing the prince of darkness, he says, we are to pray at all times, with all prayer, with all perseverance, and for all saints. He says that's an immensely challenging command. That's an experienced evangelist saying that. I do not find it comes at all easy to me, he says, but of one thing I am painfully convinced from much experience, when I do not pray, I do not enjoy the victory over the enemy which I am intended to experience. I go under. Feeling so weak in prayer, so did Daniel, so did, so did Michael Green, so does I. Doesn't every saint of God feel weak in prayer? Isn't that the whole sense of prayer, that humble men realize that they have nothing and they call out to the one who has, would you not come and help us? He says, yes, your words are heard and I am on the way, pray on. And in, in, in prayer and through prayer, we would see a fresh vision of Jesus. I probably said enough about that. Daniel encourages us in prayer. He, when we discover Daniel in this passage, he's face down, and then a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Isn't that the great thing about a quiet time? Isn't that the great thing about prayer? Isn't that the great thing about entering into a burden in prayer? The Lord comes to us and does more for us to confirm our sonship, our daughtership. He blesses us. Again, I said to the one standing before me, I, I, I'm overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. 
Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid. You who are highly esteemed, peace be strong now. He encourages us in prayer. And one last note of encouragement, God's purposes will prevail. There's a very real struggle going on in the world. Sometimes I wonder as I listen to this and have thought about this for a couple of weeks now, where are we at with this? How many answers? How much of God's will is being held back? How long have we been in the 21-day period waiting on people to really pray that Scotland might experience a blessing? But God's purposes will prevail. But this passage and many others remind us that it's not a, work, that it's not a walk in the park. And it's not a walk in the park for Christ either. The resistance movement is very real, but there is help at hand to win the day, and what is written in the book of truth will come to pass. Daniel 10. Perhaps, just as I finish, perhaps there's one, somebody here who, who has never put their trust in the Lord never been rescued from the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's Son, never become a Christian. Take this vision of Jesus that's presented here as a, as a bit of an instruction for you. Jesus is presented. You know what that means? That means there's been a sacrifice offered by Jesus for your sins. If you're not a Christian tonight, the payment has already been paid for your sins. Jesus is the great high priest who offers a sacrifice. And, and um, how would you come? Well, come before him as you would come before a great king in humility and offer your life to him in willing and glad surrender and purpose before him that you will listen to his voice. Daniel 10 challenge. It's a challenge to me. It's a challenge to spiritual warfare. It's a challenge to prayer. It's a great encouragement that as we pray, we will encounter the living Lord Jesus, and we will be, it's like a cyclical pattern. We will be encouraged and led into more prayer. Read it sometime and think a little more on it, and I trust that's helpful for you. Maybe we'll finish in, in prayer.